In April 2020, just as the global pandemic was kicking off, Lawrence and I started recording our weekly Friday Firesides. These are conversations broadcast live over the Crowdcast platform and joined by people all over the world who listen in and share their thoughts with us via the chat. We started these live recordings as an opportunity to keep in touch with our members, as well as process what it meant to run a business during a pandemic. Since then, we've broadcast nearly every single Friday and built up a library of over 100 episodes. We cover a range of different topics from money to meaning, pricing to purpose, vision to vulnerability, entrepreneurship to empathy, and product design to life design. This is our perspective of what it means to do business from the inside out, as well as the outside in. If you're a business hippie just like us, then you'll definitely find something of value here. We hope that these conversations inspire and motivate you to do work and build businesses that create meaningful change without burning out. Because like us, you're just wanting to make money, do good, and be happy. This fireside is really, um, I think, speaking to Lawrence's and mine and a number of people in our community's need for nature uh, and also the need to take a break, uh, which is going to be a very difficult thing, particularly if you are a founder. So one of the things that we will be talking to is this idea of like the the value of um, taking time for yourself uh, and giving yourself space. Uh, and and particularly in the startup world, there seems to be a, a badge of honor from burnout. You know, this real need to, you know, this part of the journey to just like work incessantly and, and continuously. Uh, we'd like to maybe challenge that narrative if possible and see why doing something different and not just focused always on work might be of benefit. We'd love to hear any uh, dissenting voices around that. So if you have a challenge, please. They're too busy. Chat. They're not on this. Well, yep. <laughs> I know exactly. Oh, oh, we failed already. That's why it's a podcast. We'll just like shove it in their ears another way. So, uh, for those of you who are unaware of um, why we're talking to Sally Ann and Arno, um, these two are wonderful people that we have met through another person who is also listening, Jack Hubbard, while doing our altitude retreats uh, out there in the Alps. How long have we done this, Lawrence? these retreats uh, since or pre-pandemic yeah 2015 six, seven, seven years yeah seven years so with a two-year break <laughs> yeah with an unfortunate two-year break but we won't talk about that ever again i hope um but yes uh we've we've had many experiences together we've uh, enjoyed wonderful times in the mountains um and while it sounds like an amazing holiday i've also discovered how beneficial it's been um to spend time uh, in nature, in the Alps, and particularly with these two people and all the other people that we bring along with us um, for the for the retreats that we run. But to give you a bit of context, I thought what would be first useful to do is just to get a bit of a, a little potted history of both Arno and Sally Ann, so you you get to know them a little bit more um, uh, and get to get connected with their stories before we actually talk a bit more about um, kind of the reasons for this call, really. Uh, so, um, Sally Ann. Why don't you kick us off with a little, um, maybe share what you do at the moment and a, a little bit of a story of how you got to, to where you are now. What do I do now? Okay, so now after living here for about nine years, uh, 
and when I say here, you can see the background is the kind of uh, loft space that we mainly live in of a of a big farmhouse uh, that some of you listening in I know have you know have seen and been to. Um, it's in a little village called Sixtvercheval in the Gifre Valley, which is where Carlos and Lawrence, you know, run the, the wonderful altitude, which is where I met you in 2016, introduced by Jack when I came on, on for me, the first one. Uh, but in the last nine years, what I've done is I've been looking ultimately to see how to combine this space, not only the space of our home, but, you know, the wider space with the work that I do in uh, coaching leaders because I'm very interested in leadership. I'm very interested in helping good leadership to, to grow um, and to help people who, you know, don't lead so well to do that better. So, you know, as a leadership coach, I was just trying to see how I could do more of that here in this place. Um, and in that sense, you know, the pandemic, and let's name it, <laughs> um, helped with that. In, in that sense. And so my work over the last you know, recent years has, has really um, become more uh, concrete, more tangible. Um, and I think that's been a lot to do with pivoting to, you know, what's possible in this in environment. Um, that said, you know, it is easier for me because I'm living here. Um, and so I can, you know, see what's possible. I think it's more, more difficult when you're coming in from, uh, you know, from outside. So, now I'm in a place where I specifically coach leaders um, to do that better. And I've developed a nine month program that supports that, which includes people coming here as part of that journey. It began nine years ago by simply asking ourselves, what do we want to wake up to in the morning? So why do I say that? Because I guess it's just an example when I, when I reflect back on how that happened of when you kind of, identify the key question that matters in that moment and you act on it then other stuff will unfold you know it, it, it's not that everything resolves itself in one moment with one question but if you can answer that question it does take a little bit of courage to do that sometimes to kind of step out of whatever you were in and say yeah we're going to do this because actually it really matters that we wake up to the mountains in the morning and then from there, you've established, if you like, a starting point from which you can see what else might be possible. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say in a nutshell, is over the last nine years, that's what happened. And it's not that it didn't take a lot of hard work and, you know, um, some other difficult decisions and so on. But, but I think it started with that question, what do I want to wake up to? And on that lovely question about what do we really want to wake up to, Arno... Why don't you share a little bit about your uh, your work now, and also how to how you as a Dutchman are now living in the French Alps? It's always a bit of a can be a bit of a long story, uh, and also a, and a question I have to answer nearly every day uh, <laughs> with clients in the mountains. Um, and I think more and more, to make it a short version, I say I love the life of the beaten track. And if there's one country where the life is on the beaten track, it's Holland. Everything is beaten in Holland. And uh, the whole life is beaten. And um, I felt like I missed some liberty and some space and nature in my daily life in Holland. And I felt a bit like Groundhog Day and... I was like, if I want to change this, I have to change this radically. 
And luckily, my wife, uh, was it my wife already? Yes, she was. It's a long time ago. Um, <laughs> she agreed. And she was like, she dared to take the step together and to leave Holland for a new life abroad. And I think that was the best step we ever took. And if you ask me then what we found here, it's actually, I told some, some clients last days as well, I think we found, yeah, freedom, freedom and liberty and, uh, yeah, and space in our daily life and making our own choices based on more on our hearts than based on society, which is influencing all the time by everything that's get into in our lives. And yeah, that, that feels, feels like free. I think freedom is a big thing for me. And that's what I found here in uh, in the Alps, living in France. So maybe describe a little bit about the work that you do. And, and uh, Sally Ann was just saying you just come back from a trip. Maybe give us a bit of a picture of what you've been up to or where you've been. Yeah, that's maybe one of the best examples of, of one of the trips we, we do. So this one is... Um, yeah, developed once in my in my mind, like a sort of a dream trip I'd like to do. And sometimes you just cross a few people's like people like the Jack Hubbards around us <laughs> who are keen to join those kind of adventures and spread a word around and then uh, find a few others who are keen to join. And then uh, Backcountry Base Camp got uh, born and it's a ski touring, split boarding trip from um, a teepee tent and uh, a, a little igloo village uh, somewhere in the backcountry, in the snowy backcountry, away off grid from everything and then doing three days from our base camp into the backcountry uh, tour skiing. And um, making your own food, uh, going down to find a water source to bring some water back up to the camp, melting snow to have extra water, uh, those kind of very basic things. So just creating a, a roof above your head, uh, finding water to uh, to make tea, coffee, and uh, cook your pasta. And uh, because we didn't have a fondue, it's not a good idea on this kind of trips. And um, yeah, surviving for three days and back to basic and just enjoying uh, nature and uh, everything that comes with it. Mm. I love it. Wow, yeah. that sounds amazing. Yeah, um, and, and no phone connection. That's really and no nice phone well. connection. That yeah. sounds scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It> can be, yeah. <laughs> so we also do trips more related to Sally Ann's um, area. So more uh, mindful coaching focused. Uh, this trip is more focused on, on, let's say, the fun part of things. But often there's also something happening. There was a guy, for example, he was not really in a, in a great shape. He was a bit ill on day one. And uh, he got even a bit emotional, and so I and I didn't know him, and I was like, "Whoa, maybe, they, maybe they're, you know, he's maybe struggling with something more mentally, maybe overwhelming. Some people can get just overwhelmed by by what's happening, by by the, the, the peacefulness and and nature. And I think I think that was, but he didn't say, he didn't deny, he denied it, but I think it was part of it. I think he was not only physical; he was just tired and a bit unfit. But I think there was also something happening to his to his mind, which is fine. And I tried to 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 tell him like, you know, this is this is all right. It's it's fine. It's good to uh, it, it it is quite overwhelming to to experience kind of things like this, especially after those two years, maybe not experienced um, hmm. experiencing this kind of things. Uh, but it's it's mainly uh, being away from everything for a bit and and just focused on each other. I call it unplug and reconnect. 
So unplug from all your modernities like laptop, phones and everything and reconnect and have proper chat with each other and have time for that because there's no need to go home because we stay there. And um, yeah, it's just enjoying that um, uh, the space really with each other, which is uh, which I think is really rich. And I think when these people got home and they look back on those pictures and even me, I sometimes can't believe that we did it. And mm. imagine coming from Holland, never done this kind of stuff. It would be... Yeah, it's, it's crazy, I think. it's um, And also a, a thing of achievement. It's like, hey, I'm able to survive three days into the wild uh, with just a tent or an igloo and water and some food. A little box of wine, I have to say. And, um, <laughs> yeah, of course. We and a box of cheese, no doubt. No cheese, no, no cheese. No cheese. No, wow. no. It's too heavy to bring. Um, well, I'd like to pick up on... You know, there's two things each of you... One thing each of you said each was like... One was like what this real clear question about what is it I want to wake up to in the morning or whatever that question I feel is equivalent to each person. And then well, from Arno is this thing of going off the beaten track and which for me seems to be quite key to a lot of the work both of you are doing but also connects to the work that we're doing about having pinpointing what is it that needs to change, I feel, and then realising that might not be a thing that other people automatically do it might be something you have to try that's different and what that means in terms of your own experiences personally or maybe the people that you work with of working with that of making a decision that's quite big and then moving forward and making it happen and you already touched on your journey and story of it but maybe to start off with what is it you think holds most people back and in your experience of the people who have try to answer that question of what do I want to wake up to in the morning and then trying to make that happen? What is it that motivates them and pushes them and keeps them going? I think what holds us back, you know, as human beings generally is, you know, is some kind of fear, right? And uh, fear is completely human, completely normal. And uh, in my experience, what's really helpful is when we can just realise what it is. It's almost, oh, there, oh, hi, hello, fear. You know, and kind of befriend the fear acknowledge the fear first, you know, recognize what it is, maybe name it, whatever, you know, and befriend it because it's there to tell us something. It's there to warn us. And it's for us then to judge, if you like, whether or not that fear is um, reasonable, <laughs> something we ought to take into account, or, or perhaps not necessarily, that it needn't necessarily stop us from what another part of us really wants to do. And I think what happens when we come into nature, and particularly the mountains and the whole metaphor of the mountain, you know, huge and immense and majestic and something that you climb and all of that. I think what happens is we get some of that into perspective. I think it helps us, you know, Arno was just saying, at least what I was hearing was, you know, when you get out there in the backcountry, it might bring up some, some deeply held emotions that have been, you know, perhaps buried a bit, maybe. And um, you face them and you get through it. And, uh, you know, you start to realize what really matters, I think. So you might come away from a week in the mountains and something significant might have happened inside and you can feel it, but you're not quite sure what it is. And I think then what's helpful is to take the time to process it, whether it's with your, you know, your friends, your partner, with Lawrence and Carlos, whatever, but take the time to process it, you know, figure out what just happened. 
And what, if anything, do I want to do with this? And then it might take, you know, quite a long time to, to, to figure out the how and the what. And this is, this is not a kind of a quick fix, but it could be a moment where some kind of light gets, gets shone on something that's been hidden. Or it might just be a, end up being a really fun week in the mountains. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to be a deep revelation, but I think it's worth being prepared for that. You know, mm. my experience of altitude and my own work for the last few years, you know, that can happen, can't it? And then you know that you're in a group in a safe space where you're going to be able to express that and share it and people will get it. But I think the next part is down to a lot of thinking, a lot of processing, a lot of care a lot of compassion and some gentle steps, you know. Uh, I, I remember a friend once saying like, hey, Anna, he felt a bit offended by, by the way I sold my life here. And he, he felt a bit offended like, oh, uh, we are all stupid. We're not leaving Holland. I was like, no, that's not my message. You know, definitely not. I think if, if someone is happy with his daily life as it is at the moment, his job and everything, you know, it's great. Then be, be, be grateful for that. And if you would like to do a big change like we've done and Celian uh, has done, maybe that's great as well. But um, I think it's it's very important to um, to uh, be happy with your with your daily life. And if that's not the case, it's good to wonder why what's what's not going, uh, what's not the thing you're you're happy with. And sometimes people can be really, I don't know, stuck in in routine or maybe also you know um uh responsibilities of mortgages and that kind of stuff which we also have things a few months we bought a house lately so it's funny i i feel that now as well i i i definitely have the feeling more that i have to create more income and 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 and, and straight away make less time for myself uh because you feel a bit of a pressure to 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 bring more money in to to have more security and it's funny because I always say my, my freedom is much bigger than that. But as soon as you get a mortgage, then yeah, things change a bit in your head. Um, yeah, and it's, it's a certain fear of uncertainty, maybe. And uh, I think it's for a lot of people, it's, it's just people say, oh, you, you guys were so, have been so brave to, to take the step to leave everything and start a new life. We didn't have much to lose. And we always said we have a lot of stuff to gain and to, to, to win and to develop. And I think we, we did. And it's it's something you can't control. You don't know. You know, it's it's yeah, in uncertainty. I think, and that, that's a big thing for many people. Uncertainty is um, is uh, can be a bit stressful. And like COVID, last two years, I think there was a lot of uncertainty. We're losing control. Uh, we don't know what next day or next week brings or next year. And um, yeah, and then related that to to mountains, I think that's that's a very nice thing as well. What I told to my clients last days. In the mountains, you all the time have to change your plan. So you 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 go for something, but you have to 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 change your plan all the time. And it's it's because of nature is leading us, and it's not us in control, but it's nature that's in control. And we just have to listen. Mountains speak, wise men listen. They say. <laughs> and um, if if you just listen to yourself and stick to the plan, I think that's the worst you can do. And that's maybe a bit the same in daily life. You know, if you just stick to your plan and just focused on, on, on one outcome, it's not working. So there's, uh, well, there's a few ways we can take this. I think one of the things I was curious about what you said is like, what do you have to lose and what do you have to gain in this change or this thing that you're going to do? 
I don't know, Lawrence, is there? Because I, I was immediately was thinking about us closing down the agency and mm. starting the Happy Startup School. Well, before that, the one thing that came to mind was when Anna was talking about listening to nature was, uh, the, I think, one of the first trips we did because uh, we had a schedule for the week, right? And Carlos's need for structure and mine, but yours more than mine. And then being told we can't do rafting on Tuesday because, you know, the weather's not going to support it. It's going to be too, uh, the river's going to be too high. So, yeah, I think it's a good metaphor for the week, isn't it? Um, mm having to adapt to uncertainty. I mean, both what, both what you both said was just bang on, I think. Fear and uncertainty are, are obviously huge, huge things in the way of people doing what they want to do. I I suppose belief you could have there somewhere. I don't know if those things block that. And actually, when we, you know, when we made the decision to close the agency, it was after our first trip to the Alps. So I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, it wasn't our intention going out there. We were hosting the trip. Um, we might think we thought other people might have those sort of breakthroughs, not us. And um, I suppose we just used some of the time just to be able to share some of the things that you know were on our mind around where we were at with the business. And so having that platform and the space, and like Sally Ann said, that perspective was huge to share some of those things out loud. And and, and in some ways, when I talk about belief, there's inner belief, which I I always had to some extent, but then getting that belief back from others. And having that sense of time and perspective of what's important, like Sally Ann said, I think gave me more belief to go, actually, yeah, what's there's so much more to gain than there is to lose. Whereas before, maybe it would have been, you know, there was a lot to lose because a lot of people around us, uh, maybe family, friends, didn't really understand what it was like to make such a big shift and being surrounded by 20 other people who were much more cheerleaders and supporters and, and knew what it took to make a decision like that certainly gave me more confidence that actually yeah at the very least if it ends and it doesn't go well we're going to meet some amazing people and it'll be an amazing failure rather than it's either we, it wins or it loses and we look like failures so i was i'm a big fan of looking at the the best upside if that makes sense you know like what does it look like when it fails but what's what what would go well even if it failed and i always saw those relationships that we would build and the, the learning we would make would put us in good stead, whatever came next. So there's there's an aspect here that what I heard from Lawrence was this, what we found by being away somewhere that's out of your normal day-to-day context, you can start maybe getting rid of the noise and stuff's coming up. This had like maybe with that person that went on your trip recently, I know. And then there's something about being surrounded by people, and I think Sanyan referred to this as like having a safe space to then just articulate maybe what it is that you're considering or worried about. So that then maybe that helps you come to some kind of resolution or better clarity. I'm wondering here as well, though, in terms of the amount of time that can take. Because I know know, recently I've been talking to some friends around doing a bit of a trip. And there's something around it takes at least a day just to, to land. And there's a certain amount of time just to get into a space where you're not fully still back in work or at home or whatever it is with the busyness. And, and Arno talked about this whole idea of switching off phones, getting away from distractions. But I, I'm I'm wondering about, uh, so I'm trying to communicate the idea or explore this idea that you, we need space and also we need space to get to that place of space. <laughs> if that makes mm. We need a bit of time to really actually get into the right way of thinking. I'm just interesting the way you were putting that, Carlos. It was making me think that you know, we can walk our bodies into a space, but we might well leave our minds 
behind <laughs> in another space solving another problem somewhere else. And so sometimes I think we do have to kind of be very clear in our intention and to consciously create the space. So we can actually do that, you know, anywhere. In any moment, we can choose to do that. And I teach people a tool to sort of help with that. But I think when we do step physically into, into nature, wherever that may be, whether it's the South Downs, you know, where you guys are, or the mountains here, or people are near, near the sea. I mean, that's a magnificent open horizon space. If we decide to go for a walk in any of those spaces of nature, I think if we, if we do it consciously, mindfully, if you like, we do it with the intention of being fully present in that space it can deeply enrich the experience otherwise we're kind of taking our body for a walk but not really there i'm guessing oh no you know in the particularly with the trip you've just done this week you know you're sort of it's hard but in, in another sense easier because you know you've you've left your phones behind or at least they're not switched on or and you you can't avoid being in that space right you're kind of almost mm. confronting that space so i suppose there's degrees of this you know, there's going for a walk in the country, thinking consciously about being present, tuning into your body and so on. And then there's being there and uh, <laughs> having no alternative but to confront it. And that might bring some stuff up because, whoa, this feels different. I remember once I did a tour de Mont Blanc and there was a guy from America and probably he was a bit stoked and just impatient to, to, to go for the, for the trip to start. But there was a few things to organize and we had to go to a little bike shop. And I was like, this guy needs to unwind, really. Um, he was still in his daily live rat race modus. And uh, sometimes you hear this as well in those uh, Salian, those mountain restaurants here. Like they try to calm those ski tourists down like, hey, we're in the mountains. Take it easy. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think I think I think we can all suffer a bit from it. it. It takes a little moment to sort of unwind. But I think there's a difference. For example, I suffer from that when I'm going on a holiday myself. But you're still half in your daily life situation. You know, you, you change your house for a tent, but you're still surrounded by your kids. And you still got mm. your phone in your pocket. You got some unfinished stuff. And then it takes time. And there's also a, an a opportunity to continue your normal life. Well, if I drew a trip like yesterday, as soon as we click in our snowboards and put our backpacks on, and then you, you literally go into the unknown, from that moment, it's, it's that, it's that. And that's an interesting little bridge to, but I, I thought about it. I often tell people my most mindful moment is when I'm working. And I think that's quite interesting and, uh, and luxury as well, because I can really be present with my clients at that moment, which, and Celia knows that, I really struggle with in my daily life. So that's a great position, being mindful when working. How, who, who can say that? Yeah, maybe mindful coaches. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Um, yeah, so I think as soon as we do a, 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 like um, a back, backcountry mountain adventure from that moment, if you... Yeah, and sometimes people leave in the morning with a flight from somewhere, from Brighton, from London or whatsoever, to Geneva. And it's only a few hours between leaving your house and being in the mountains. But I think as soon as you leave things behind you, then, yeah, it's sort of, how do you say, un unfold? Is that the 
Hmm. So it depends a bit what kind of holiday or trip it is, I think, and what kind of situation. Well, I'm I'm drawn to talk about a little bit here is just taking time. Firstly, taking time to do this. So it feels like the more time we can take to create space, to land, to then get immersed into wherever you are, in this, in this case, in the mountains, that's going to be more beneficial because you're more present and, you're, you're, and then you're allowing, <clears throat> you're away from the distractions. And some people will say, oh, I just don't have the time. I can't take the time to do this. This is so much of a luxury. And so it feels like, yeah, a week. Wow. who's got that much time and then the other aspect of this around time is like and i found this a lot is like how your experience of time just shifts when you are present when you are in the mountains and when you are with people who are also present so you know my pitch is like it might seem like a week but sometimes each day feels like a week Mm -hmm. there's so much in there And you come back feeling like you've been away for ages. So I don't know, maybe if you could speak a little bit to that in this whole idea of like how much actual time and the experience of time by being somewhere like in the mountains and doing an adventure. Time is a funny thing, isn't it? You know, um, and it's all about our relationship with it, which is what you've just been talking about. So, you know, when we go back to the Greek philosophers, you know, Kronos saw time in the way, you know, chronology one thing after another. And then Kiros was very much about time in the present. I think as human beings, speaking generally, you know, we have a tendency to to cram it, to, you know, reward ourselves for checking off our to-do list. Nothing wrong with that. Has to be done. But, you know, over time, if we're not careful, our relationship with time can become one of racing it, you know, constantly checking it, cramming it. And I think nature, getting into nature, helps us to recalibrate that a bit. You know, if we go and look at a tree or look at the sea or look at a mountain or a field, whatever it may be, or a flower, a butterfly. I was looking yesterday, the crocuses have come up here very early. It's a warm March, isn't it, Arno? And uh, we've got a ton of crocuses in our garden and it was just full. They were just full of bees and butterflies. And I just paused for a moment, even though it was a busy day. And, and I, what I noticed, as you said, in that moment of looking at the butterflies and the bees and the crocuses, it, time sort of slowed down. We can all relate to that, I think. So we have to make sure that we build in those moments in our life to allow that, to give ourselves permission just to watch the bees for a bit or whatever. Because you can guarantee that after just one moment of doing that, something would have changed. And all that's changed is our relationship to it. Nothing Mm. else is, the to-do list is still there. But we feel different, right? Because we've taken a moment to be present and it shifts the relationship. So I think if we look at our lives and I've been there enough times and sometimes I still am, you know, where I just wake up and think, what the hell am I doing? When did I last stop? And then kind of decide, okay, I'm going to stop for a minute. It's just a reminder. So I think if we can do that over a period of days, it just helps It helps the recalibration. It helps it to kind of instill itself a bit more. And then if we're questioning if we have the time, then that's a really important question. Yeah, I think it's important for all of us to take some me time. And if we if we ignore that um, that 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 uh, need and just push it away and just focus on the must dos, 
yeah, we we always um, end up with some trouble, I think. And for example, me, I had a, in French, you say the lumbago, lower back pain. Mm. And I was off for a week, couldn't work for a week, couldn't do uh, DIY in a new house for a week. Yeah, and then you, you, you ask yourself like the question like, hey, where is this coming from? Is this stress? Is this maybe maybe too much must-dos, uh, not enough time for yourself? And, and I went to my um, osteopath and he asked me, did you do some split boarding this year? Do you? And I was like, no, actually, no, no. I was just been working in DIY in the house. And, and then you realize, hey, I miss my me time. And, and I think we all need that sometimes to recharge our batteries and um, have a little moment of reflection or just fun. Or, um, but it takes time to, to take mm -hmm. me time. But it's an investment in yourself, isn't it? It can be half a day, it can be like a few minutes can be a little trip, a weekend or a week away. But um, yeah, we all need to invest in ourselves in uh, to recharge the batteries. And if we ignore that, then yeah, it's, it's trouble. And I, I, I thought about when I was lit, uh, thinking about this, um, this session, I thought about a very funny, ex um, uh, funny example with our good friend uh, Jack Hubbard years ago. Uh, he gave me a call like, hey, Arne, let's go climbing. And I was like, no, man, I'm too busy <laughs> doing uh, marketing stuff. I need to get the season started. And, and I was like, ah, come on, dude, let's go climbing. And I was like, well, hey, we'll be fine. And I we went climbing. I dropped everything. And then during the climbing, I got um, a phone call from, from inquiry. And I came back home. I checked my email. And I had two inquiries for the season. So within that climbing session, honestly, I had three inquiries while being away and choosing for some me time. I hear there, and maybe this is some, I don't know if other few people might feel this, is like it will all like fall apart if we're not always there. Mm. So if we take time off, if we go somewhere, then actually the business will die or things will not work. And I, I just need to always be present with the things, the stuff. There's something about um, the oblique approach, isn't that You're trying to get sales for example so what you did there was just go the complete opposite route like walk away from the problem and i've found this again and i've learned from being in nature with you guys and, and jack as well in terms of just trying to be a bit trying to try less hard um and by trying less hard actually weirdly things seem to happen more easily um but there's this letting go of that feeling of control a bit isn't it of like oh if i keep being busy then i'll get more things done and that will help me achieve the results I'm looking for. And one just quick, one thing came to mind was with altitude. I find this every time I go, whether it's that or um, some of the other trips we've done, we went snowshoeing one time for a few days with you know, both of you, which was awesome. Is that thing of, even if you don't get the things done that you wanted to get done, when you come back to your to-do list, half of the things you had on there probably aren't that important anymore. And mm -hmm. there's something maybe more important that wasn't on there that you've sort of put to the top. So it, for me, it just shifts priority and perspective i think the thing with doing and necessary as doing is of course if we're over focused on it it can it can narrow our our capacity to to see what else you know it becomes becoming we can become a little bit narrow um i say that carefully because it's very dependent you know it's not this is not a general rule of thumb but i think it's just something to be aware of and to ask ourselves about and remember that, you know, we're also thinking and feeling beings as well. We're not just doing beings. And ask ourselves, is the balance right right now? And what you learned me as well, Celia, and I, I, I often um, repeat it in my head, like, must do or choose to do. 
I think that's a very important one as well. It's like there's so so much so often the word must. I must do this. No, sorry, I I can't because I must do this. It's a choice, isn't it? What you do, and and if you choose to do uh, the I would like to, then uh, it's it's completely different from must do, isn't it? And because it, it's a pressure on us uh, often that we have so many things we must do from ourselves. Bringing it back again, back to what Salian said at the beginning of like, what do I want to wake up to? It's like that I connect to making useful or powerful choices, connecting that to priorities and understanding what is important to you. What is the thing that you are going to say yes to based on needs, whatever we want to articulate, a vision for how you want to wake up or live? One particular thing I want to try and leave on for people who are listening, particularly if you're, you know, you, you are habitually busy or you feel like actually you're such a linchpin in whatever that aspect of your life is, whether that's business or home life, that if, you, if, you, if you're not there, everything will explode or not, not work. So there's one level is like justifying it to yourself, giving yourself permission to, to take time for yourself, and then how you communicate that to the people around you. So if you were going to help someone first... Uh, and I think we tackle justifying it to yourself, but maybe if there's anything else you want to add to that. And then how you would help someone have the the confidence, the clarity to then communicate to others around them. It's like, I need to do this. This is important. How how would you frame that? How would you phrase that? I think I think it depends. You know, I think it really depends on who that person is. And, uh, you know, when we communicate our wants and needs... Um, being really aware of where that person's coming from, you know, looking into what they might want and need and therefore how is our request going to land? And also, you know, the situation, what's the context at the moment? Is this a good moment? How, if it's not a good moment, how could it become a good moment by, you know, looking at it a different way, say? So I think it's it's really about taking in, you know, I think, you know, communication is so much about taking account of other people's points of view, isn't it? And um, so if we're trying to influence someone to support us to do this thing that we really want to do, um, maybe there's a trade-off, you know, just being practical about that. Maybe there's something there to negotiate. If, you know, if you're busy, busy partners in a busy business, in a busy family, I know what it's like to work full time and have small kids and for my partner to be in the same position and to negotiate this stuff. So I think there's a practical question of, of negotiation, you know, of what kind of what's in it for me, what's in it for you and, and recognizing, acknowledging that. So that would be my kind of practical take on how to approach it. Um, but I think also when we want something, it's having the courage to speak from the heart about it. And, you know, yeah. love is listening, isn't it? in its purest sense. So, you know, finding the right moment, taking a breath, being aware of where the other person is and speaking from your heart, you know, something like that. I think if I speak for myself, I think uh, my wife Jess knows that I'm a more nicer person for her and my boys. If I sometimes um, take some some time for myself and uh, come back as 
yeah, uh, refreshed and, and, and a happy man and yeah, better, better listener and a nicer guy um, for the people here in this same house. Um, so there's definitely, everyone is, everyone is um, how do you say, making the most of that. Ah, that's well sold. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, it's true. I think you have to, um, yeah, you just speak it out loud and, um, and, 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 and be honest about your, uh, your, your wishes and your, your, your dreams and communicate that and try to make time for it and try, try to, yeah, you have to plan stuff, isn't it? You can't, you can't mm. say, hey, honey, uh, sorry, but actually next week uh, I'd like to go to altitude for a week. I think you need a bit more time to... Um, to uh, prepare this kind of things, isn't it? Because uh, <laughs> a week away is quite long. Um, but yeah, if, if you come back as, as a nicer person for your for your um, closest family, that's um, that's already a win-win for everyone. And also, I was really happy when I did a mountain bike trip last September that my wife, two weeks later, was going on a mountain bike trip herself as well with her friends. <laughs> And um, so I think it's great when she does those kind of things as well. And it's sometimes I have the feeling I often ask these questions. I, especially on mountain bike trips, I work with a lot of men, and sometimes I wonder: Do we men grab more the opportunity to take this me time than the ladies do? But maybe that's another conversation. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> 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 because. Jess sometimes uh, I think she she needs those those moments as well to 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 escape it for a bit and 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 recharge the battery we all need it isn't it there's that interesting point connecting to what Sally Ann you know was saying around you know what do you need but then also what does the other person need and then Mm. how do they either work together or they might come into conflict so then there's like you said maybe there's no negotiation but there's there's also an element of like if it's all just, oh, you know, I'm the one who's always going away or doing something, what, what's going on for the other person? What can they get from this experience? And mm. what, are they, do you give them permission, whether it's colleagues or partners, to then take their time to address their needs? And maybe someone needs to actually um, start doing that somehow and taking some kind of a, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm loath to say control, but initiative i think is the best way to put it some initiative around taking time out for themselves and how maybe we'll be happier together if we are happier to be alone once in a while <laughs> I, I like what has been said already just about i think sally anthony i'm just saying i need this you know for myself uh, and maybe you can't un- you can't explain why so there's an element of trust there i suppose in any relationship or um it could even be a colleague or a co-founder even you know and I think back to before we even did these trips, I probably went on what might have seen some indulgent overseas trips and events and conferences. And I really couldn't put my finger on why I thought I needed to do them. But my wife was very supportive. Um, and hopefully over time it's paid back. But there was a real, there wasn't a clear sort of, I do this, I get this result. You know, it was like, I just feel like I need to be there and I can't explain why. And over time, the things we've learned from doing these trips has helped us to frame what we do today but like you said i think there's a there's an element of permission too if you give permission to yourself hopefully you give permission to your partner or loved ones that actually yeah them sharing their needs out loud and getting support around that is is important too so yeah i think in some ways if you can't sell it to yourself you're going to struggle selling it to other people so the first step is actually saying that i deserve this and 
I think back to, do you remember Robert, the, um, Robert Voss, Dutch guy, he's been over a few th- times, I think, to Sally Ann's as well. One of the things he said in the f- uh, one of the first altitudes was, you know, this is the best gift I've ever given myself, which was such a lovely thing to hear. And that was just him actually saying, yeah, it was indulgent. It was an investment of time and money. But that feeling of, actually, I deserve this and I therefore feel better about myself and hopefully go back a better person as a result of being part of that experience. Actually, I know. In answer to your question, Francis was saying that uh, she's she's taken the initiative and 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 you know she's booked into altitude and summer camp, and her partner doesn't need to do those same things. So in a similar way, maybe we're all different and we take time out and we take space in different ways, but without articulating that I need this. This is how I'm going to address this need to for adventure, space, or just time how do you do how how does how do you all want to do it what is it you want to do and then you do that you do you i do me and maybe we're all happy so mm. that's a another perspective it sounds like around this it's, it's we're all different how we tackle yeah. these things before we leave um it'd be good to for each of you just to share a little bit more about your work and how people can get to you know find out more about you and and maybe even just whether work with you more closely so um uh, Sally Ann, what would you like to? Where would you like to point people, and what would you like to tell them about your work and how you could help them? So, I the, where where I work now, guys, is in um, supporting anyone who calls themselves a leader. And when I say leader, I think leader. I think about it very, very broadly indeed. I think as a human being, you know, and how we show up in the world, we're we're in some way influencing others. So, you know. It's that kind of breadth of definition of leadership. But anyone who, um, for whatever reason, wants to explore more deeply how what they do is aligned with who they are. So, you know, a sense of of being able to fully step into the work because it feels wholly aligned with um, perhaps a deeper understanding of, of who you are and what your purpose is in the world. So I tend to work at a fairly deep level with people now. And uh, where I do this mostly uh, these days is uh, on a leadership program that is in its fourth year. I call it Evolving Leadership. It's for a group of just eight people. Um, I try to make it as, as diverse as, uh, I curate a group which is as diverse as possible so that we all learn from each other as much as possible over a nine month journey, which is a combination of online and um, two retreats here. So that's my main work, and I do also do quite a lot of other one-to-one work with people, mainly one-to-one these days, occasionally with groups and teams, but my focus these days is more one-to-one. So if that kind of thing sounds interesting, um, then, you know, please reach out. I think I noticed, uh, Lawrence, thank you, you shared my Skillful Leaders um, website uh, earlier in the feed. Um, That's the best way to reach me or via these guys or on LinkedIn or any of the main social platforms, um, please don't hesitate to reach out and have a chat and see if, um, you know, if I can help in some way, if it feels like that's what you'd like to do. Uh, and Arno, where would you, how would you, how would you like to help people out there and where can we point them? So I've got a, since six years, got a diploma as a mountain leader, a computer montagne, which means I can take people around in the mountains on snowshoes, uh, walking boots and mountain bike. Um, so I take people on half days in the mountains, on full days in the mountains, and as long as, as soon as it's multiple days, 
I use my company Alp Adventures. And again, since I've got that diploma, most Alp Adventure trips I lead and guide myself, uh, sometimes uh, supported by some colleagues. And I really believe in the in the uh, in the magic of at least one night in the mountains. So every Alp Adventure trip, I try to persuade the guests to spend at least one night somewhere in the mountains. Can be a mountain hut, can be an igloo, can be uh, a hammock into the trees, uh, all kind of things. Um, so uh, yeah, I think if you want to know a bit more about what I'm doing uh, and also the trip we've been talking about last um, three days, we've been doing check our uh, Instagram Alp Adventures Instagram account, and um, hopefully we can inspire you to leave your comfort zone for a nice moment into the wild Alps. <sighs> well, I'm now itching to go <laughs> to the mountains. <laughs> thank you very much all of you for just reminding uh, me of what, what it's like to be there and also to see your lovely faces looking for yeah good also. to catch up yeah Some really hugs. nice by time to see each other um, back isn't yeah. it i know exactly. can't wait to go to that um, mountain hut and eat lots of cheese and wine yeah and especially after those if two you... COVID years i think there's a big need for an altitude kind of trip thank you for listening to this episode of the happy entrepreneur podcast to hear more inspiring conversations like this, follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just search for The Happy Entrepreneur. In March, we'll be launching Tribe 7 of our Vision 2020 program. If you're at a point in your career or entrepreneurial journey where you're asking yourself, what next? And you need the clarity and confidence to make some bold decisions about a new direction, then this program is for you will help you define what success really means to you, understand the impact that is yours to make, make sure your mission is both energetically and financially sustainable, and also learn how to build a supportive community around yourself. We want people who are driven to do good in the world and are tired of trying to do it on their own. We'll share the key lessons we've learned while building the Happy Startup School and pivoting from the stressful peaks and troughs of agency life to a life of freedom, adventure, service and connection. We value learning, play and friendship and we'd like to help you discover the values and the work that align more to who you are. Don't struggle alone and don't get sidetracked by other people's measures of success. Discover for yourself what it means to create effortless impact. To apply for the next tribe, go to vision.happystartups.com Co. We look forward to hearing from you.